Dating Skills Podcast Episode 37. Full confidence, dates, and sex. Build the relationships and lifestyles you really want. DatingSkillsReview.com presents a training program for dating with different world-class experts in every single episode, teaching you the secrets to their skills and success. Dating Skills Podcast, the podcast for men. Hey there, this is Angel Donovan back for another episode of Dating Skills Podcast. And today we have the second part of a two-part interview with Mark Manson. And we're talking to him about personal boundaries. Personal boundaries are a part of the way we communicate in relationships. They're a part of the way we think about relationships, about ourselves versus other people. And today they're a pretty abstract concept, but you'll find it in self-help and dating advice pretty much all over the place over the last 15 years. What you don't often find is something practical, and that's why we've had this interview with Mark Manson to try and get down to some more practical advice. In the first part of this series, we already covered a lot of the kind of theory, the more abstract part of personal boundaries and what it is. We we said why it was important, and we basically got all the basics covered. Today, we're talking about the practical part. So we're getting deeper into things like case studies, like different scenarios where you're going to apply personal boundaries or not. Uh, you get into common situations and also talk about some of the steps you should be taking to set personal boundaries up. If you just came to this podcast or you missed the last episode, I strongly advise you to go back and listen to episode 36 first to kind of get the basics of what we're talking about here and then come back here for the practicalities. So to go back and get the previous episode, just go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP36 and you've got the MP3 download or the link to iTunes or however you want to listen to it. Now let's get to the interview. I'm going to like try and get down to something kind of kind of more practical, I guess. Uh, say I'm going out to a club tonight to, to meet some women. What are some simple things that I can think about or do to make sure I'm maintaining some healthy personal boundaries, you know, so that I'm going to attract women and that so I'm setting kind of a foundation for potentially good relationships going forward? So the, the two kind of immediate mindset changes that I that I... I, I give to men that, that I think have the quickest results or the, or the best results for them, mm. uh, that also has to do with this stuff. Um, the first one is to, to see all rejection as incompatibility. The, the problem, the reason rejection is so harsh and so uncomfortable for most men is that they take it personally. They right. believe that it is a value judgment on how wor- how worthy they are as a person. Mm. And, uh, and of course, if they're a man that's coming from a place of, you know, inadequacy or not feeling like they're good enough, um, it hurts just that much more. So one way I like to look at it is that uh, basically, you know, I am who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Um, I care about who I am. And I'm going to present myself as well as I can to the women I want to meet. And if they reject me or if they don't like me um, or if they blow me off, then I perceive that not as I'm not good enough, but I perceive it as simply an incompatibility of, of values and desires at that moment in time. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, if she's a girl who never called me back or if she blew me out really hard when I approached her 
or if she says she has a boyfriend, you know, it's basically if she doesn't see um, the the potential for how awesome I could be with her, then she, I'm better off not with her, not pursuing her. And I'm better off pursuing somebody else who will see my value and will see how cool I am. And, uh, and it's amazing once you kind of reorient all that towards it's just simply being an incompatibility, an incompatibility of logistics, an incompatibility of, of values, an incompatibility of, of simply timing. Um, the rejections really start stinging a lot less. And you actually get to the point where, where they begin to help you because you, it's nice because you, you start spotting. You're like, oh, normally I would spend two hours trying to convince this girl to go out with me. But since she doesn't see how awesome I am, then I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince her. Therefore, I'm going to go find somebody else who is interested in me. Um, you start saving a lot of time and you start becoming a lot more efficient in terms of the women you meet and the women you date. The other uh, mindset change I give to guys is to um, pursue out of curiosity. So most men, um, when we pursue women, we pursue women because we're trying to get something. We're trying to... Uh, get approval, get validation, get laid, get more dates, get more phone numbers. Um, and a lot of times the reason, the motivation for this is is uh, very shallow and superficial. You know, it's to impress our buddies or to feel like we're good enough to uh, hang out with this one guy we look up to or, or to not feel like a loser anymore. Um so and that 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 requires that second point requires that we you know we have self awareness and we can look at the underlying motivations uh, for what we're doing and I guess that comes back to owning your emotion like you know you can yeah. at the beginning we talked about having responsibility for our emotions so if you have responsibility responsibility for your emotions you have to understand them you have to become aware of them first um, yeah and what's triggering them yeah absolutely and. The way that looks, like pursuing out of curiosity, the way that looks is that, for instance, uh, the, an average guy, let's say, you know, he's at a, at a bar and he wants to approach a girl. An average guy will look at her and his immediate thoughts will be, what do I say to get her to like me? How should I approach? God, I hope she likes me. What can I say? I should come up with a funny story, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Guy who's a, a pursuing out of curiosity pursues her, approaches her, and his thought is, I wonder what she's like. I wonder if we're going to be compatible. I wonder if she'll make me happy. I wonder if she and I will click. I wonder it, what I wonder what cool things she has going on in her life. Um, this also applies to things like dates and escalation. You know, a lot of guys go on dates and they spend the whole time trying to impress her and convince her that he's right. a cool guy. Um, what about sitting there and thinking and asking yourself, is she a cool girl? What does she have going for her? What is interesting about her? What's what cool things have happened in her life that can I can relate to? Um, when you start, when you flip that script and start pursuing from that that place, um, first of all, you pursue in a way that maintains your self-respect and your boundaries, mm -hmm. and also it uh, diminishes anxiety because it, it basically there's no way to fail. So it's like. If I see a pretty girl in a bar and I say to myself, I wonder what she's like. I wonder if uh, she she's she's cool. I wonder if she's smart. Um, and I go and I, I approach her and she's really obnoxious and has nothing interesting to say. Then I found out I succeeded. 
You know, I don't sit there. I'm not like, God, I should have said this. So I could have gotten her number. No, I, I don't want a phone number of a woman I don't enjoy talking to. Instead, I sit there. I'm like, I found out. You know, I was curious to what she was like. I found out I don't like her and uh, I succeeded. So um, it creates a much more healthy motivation um, and, and, you know, gets you gets men off of this, like, feeling like they need to perform and mm. up to these, you know, like meet these like arbitrary metrics of success. So those are my two pieces of advice for guys to try on, try on those mindsets, see how they feel. And generally, uh, you know, most men, you know, within a few days or a week or two, start feeling a lot better about their interactions. They feel a lot less anxiety. They feel a lot less pressure and they start feeling better about themselves. They feel more self-esteem, which therefore makes them more attractive. Right, right. I can see, like, I'm looking at those now as as tools. However, like, I would say on the first one, I I, I don't really agree with you. Um, you. You know, you're saying that basically uh, if she rejects me, it's it's always because um, because she's not right for me. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I think that's that's a great tool to have and maybe even something that, you know, beginners should all start with, uh, intermediates should, should go with. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe someone who's been around for a while should you know take that down and and because you know we all have our good days and our bad days. Um, you know, so um, and you know people talk about like also say say you you know you go out to a club. Often the first approach you do isn't so good because just because you haven't been social for you know if if you've been doing your work or something you know something by IT or something completely antisocial um, just beforehand. Uh, and you weren't being social, it kind of takes us a little bit of time to get warmed up, you know, um, and get yeah. into that social gear. So we may fumble our words or, you know, do whatever, do, or say something, you know, dumb, um, and it might not go so well. So, you know, I think that to say all, all the time that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not going to work out with the woman is, is probably not, you know, not right. And, um, but I'm not taking away from the fact that, you know, it's a very useful tool especially well, when you're getting started. Actually, let me let me clarify that because I actually the way you're describing it I actually agree with because if you go around every time you're you're rejected you say, "Well, she's not right for me. Mm. Uh I'm fine, she's not." Right, right. Um, you know, that just becomes a number another form of overcompensation. So, when I say incompatible, I actually mean like incompatibilities in terms of like timing, mood, you know, for instance, you could you could meet like the girl of your dreams, but again, like you know, let's say her brother got in a car accident that day. Like, there's nothing you're ever gonna say mm-hmm. that's gonna attract, like, make her interested in dating you in that moment. So, I see that as an incompatibility. I see, you know, uh, that's an incompatibility. It's a logistical incompatibility. Being, yeah, and so, um, and and one of the things I talk about in my book is that. If you're finding that it seems like every woman you meet is incompatible with you, then that ultimately falls back to you. It's your responsibility because it's your responsibility to develop yourself uh, to the point where you become more compatible with the women you're pursuing. Um, because there, there's this idea that you know it's that a lot of guys buy into where uh, you can date up. You know, it's like like. I want to date a, a so-called 10, but, you know, I'm unemployed. I live with mom and I play World of Warcraft all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, 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 you know, I can see uh, the well. The other area, like I'm kind of concerned about it, is because especially when we the, the guys are starting this stuff, a lot of them tend to have a narrow, and, and this is something you talk about in your book uh, in in another area. But they tend to like have a narrow experience of life. Okay. Yeah. So it hasn't been like very very broad. They haven't seen a lot of stuff. So what's going to happen when you go into you know a club or whatever? There's not very many girls that you know you're going to be. You're going to be able to go up and be just you, and, and it's going to fit because you know you've had this very narrow lifestyle um, and, and set of experiences, and you know that will just kind of affect how, how you come across, and you're more likely, you know, to get rejected, right? And then so if you then say, "Oh, she's not right for me," you're going to kind of bounce back yeah. and, and, and stay within that comfort zone, for one of a better word. Um, whereas, you know. If you, if you say, okay, that didn't go so well, um, what did I do, you know, why you know why did she respond that way, uh, think about it a bit, you might learn something about, okay, she's this type of girl, and, you know, and be, and you also, what you do there is you have a motivation to step outside of your comfort zone and, you know, relate to other girls, and when you're coming from an area, like, if, if you've already experienced the world and, you know, every type of girl there is and, and so on. You can make decisions about, you know, what's good for you and what's not. But if you're starting out, I, ju I just think, you know, your your experience is, is too narrow to be able to kind of make those decisions and, and really know, right? Well, let me say that when I say incompatibility, I don't mean that she's not, it's not necessarily that she's not right. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're not right for each other in that moment. So, the response, like whenever there's an incompatibility, it's both people's responsibility. It's it's not her fault. It's not my fault. It's just we are not right for each other in that moment for whatever reason. And that could be because I'm inexperienced and she is. Mm -hmm. It could be because she's in a I'm in a bad mood and she's not. Yeah. It could be because uh, I'm you know I've never been to a nightclub and I'm really nerdy and she's like some hot go-go dancer. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, all of these things, uh, they're not her fault. They're not your fault. But it's, you know, and, and that it does come back to the guy. It's like, so if all the women you're approaching are like go-go dancer girls in clubs and you're a nerdy guy, uh, A, you're incompatible with all of them. And B, if you want to be compatible with them, then you have to, like, get involved and get experience in their world and, like, understand the right. places that they come from. Mm. So, um so yeah, I actually I don't disagree with you at all. I think this is more a semantic thing, okay. um, and I agree that that guys who have a very narrow spectrum of experience, it's almost just more important that they get as much experience as possible. Right. I mean, that's um, something you cover really well in your book, you know, about expanding than, than, your, than actually, and then actually, yeah, 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 for, for sure. Okay, uh, another thought I had about, you know, this whole personal boundaries things was like, let's assume I'm looking for a woman with good self-esteem, right? Because we're saying that that's going to lead to healthy relationships if I have good self-esteem as well. Uh, can yep. we use personal boundaries to explore a woman's self-esteem when we meet her? So can or should we use this to select or screen for women by testing her personal boundaries, by potentially like doing something to set a personal boundary that's either, you know, right for us, or maybe it's, we think it's a bit too far to test her. What do you think of that idea? Uh, I, I, I don't think you have to test because, um, 
a, a woman with low self-esteem is is going to have bad boundaries and those and if you have good boundaries mm-hmm. if you have high self-esteem and have developed strong boundaries those those weak boundaries will become very apparent very quickly can we can we have uh, an example and, and the way yeah sorry yeah um let's see so for instance um let's say you're you, you're a high self-esteem guy with high with strong boundaries you uh Go on a date um, with a woman who has weak boundaries or low boundaries, um, and you're just talking to her. And let's say that you say something. So let's say that you're you're I don't know. You're talking about politics or something. I don't know why you would ever want to talk about that on a date, but let's say you are. And um, you you make an opinionated statement, and she gets really uh, upset, and she starts. Um, she starts trying to change her mind and she starts saying that, um, uh, you know, she starts implying that you're a bad person and that, you know, you're an idiot and all these things. Um, that's an example of, of she would be an example then of a person who is not respecting your boundaries. She is taking uh, responsibility for, for your views and, and your, um, you know, your views, which are different than hers. And so she's trying to force herself and her views onto you. Ah, because um, of, so you're with, saying when there's a personal attack? Right. So it comes back to those two things, right? It's people who either surrender their own values for mm-hmm. yours mm-hmm. or people who try to push their their values onto you. Um, well, it's interesting you say low self-esteem because I think some guys will think, well, you know, it should be around the other way. But what you're saying, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know where you're coming from is like, you know, people of low self-esteem often have to hold on to their values um, more uh, more strongly than others. So sometimes they say, you know, they can't they can't hear the, the alternatives. So you know, right. they they have to you know reject them, and and sometimes that that ends up being some argument or you know some personal attacks and what have you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you begin to start seeing it in, in just a small like small. Um, uh, behaviors and interactions, you know, you may meet her say in a bar and just like the way she's talking to her friends, you know, like she's, you know, let's say her, you see this all the time with, with girls who get into all sorts of drama. It's, uh, you know, they, um, you know, maybe her friend is talking to some guy who she doesn't like. And so now it's her responsibility mm-hmm. to go and like cock block yeah. this yeah. guy from her friend. And it's, uh, you know, that's an example of, of poor boundaries and that she feels that it's her right and her responsibility to protect her friend. Um, when she doesn't know the guy, she doesn't know the situation. And it's also disrespectful for the friend because it implies that she can't take care of herself. So, um, you see this in all sorts of little, little small behaviors. You know, another example that happened to a friend of mine recently is, um, he, uh, he he dated a girl for about six months and they broke up mm. and um, he went through this kind of, uh, um, you know, like he'd block her from Facebook and not answer her calls and then he'd answer her calls and, and he was going, kind of going through this whole thing. And uh, she would basically, she was really depressed after the breakup and she would post these like really sad, lonely things on her Facebook wall and he would he would call her and try to make her feel better. 
And it's, I, I had to sit and it, it would just leave, you know, they'd kind of like rekindle things for a couple of days and, you know, maybe they'd have sex again and then things would fall apart and he'd be like, no, we're broken up and she'd get even more upset and even more sad and there'd be more drama. And I, I had to kind of sit down with them like, dude, this is just poor boundaries. Like her being like, when you broke up with her, you know, it, her emotions are not your responsibility anymore. Like I understand that you feel guilty. Uh, I understand that you sympathize with her, but it is not your job to fix it. You can't go fix it. If you try to go fix it, you're going to make it worse. Right, right. You know, and, her, you know that, that, that's her, a, yeah, that's a very common scenario, and it's extremely bad for the girl as well. Um, yeah, so, but, I, but I like the both. way you've linked it back to you know, the personal boundaries issue. Yeah, you see it a lot with um, and <laughs> with parents and kids. Um, parents who can't completely let go of like controlling their kid's life a little bit. Why um, all the time? Know, yeah, I, I, I talked to, I actually, um, I talked to a client recently on a, on a call, uh, and we went, he, he was making a, a bunch of, he was a guy in his early twenties. He, he was just recently financially independent, got, you know, had a, a really good job and he was kind of confronting a lot of these major life decisions. Um, for the first time. And, and so we were talking, we were going through them and, and kind of reasoning through them. And I was giving him, you know, my perspective and we got to the end and he's like, yeah, I got one more thing. And basically uh, he was moving out of his parents' house. You know, that was, we had already discussed that. He said, yeah, so my car is like really old. It's really run down. I'm making a lot of money. Um, and the car is under my dad's name, but I'm going to buy a new one under my name. Uh, he's like, should I do that? And I was like, well, what's, I'm like, you have the money, right? And he's like, yeah, I have the money. I'm like, well, then obviously, of course, do it. And he said, but my dad's going to get really mad. And I was like, why would your dad get mad? And, and he said, well, it's technically it's his car. And, you know, if I'm going to trade it in and, but he never uses it. And, he, you know, it was this whole thing where basically like this, this kid, this guy is like, 24 years old, he's financially independent, hmm. moving on his own, he wants to buy his own car. And he said that his dad was going to get really upset about it. And, um, you know, I, I explained to him, I was like, you know, this has nothing to do with the car. This has everything to do with you being independent. And, um, right. you know, it, it you see situations where parents are still taking responsibility for their kids' uh, life circumstances when, you know, their kids are grown adults and, like, can take care of themselves. Right. Well, and this is probably the most typical situation of personal of weak personal boundaries you can really come across right because parents often have expectations for their kids uh maybe, maybe yeah. that's changing a little bit but uh and especially like in some cultures more than others so uh for instance if you take asia like there's extremely extremely strong very well-defined um expectations uh, for you know what yeah. your kid's gonna do to the extent that you know they'll they'll give you piano lessons when you when you're five years old because you're gonna become a pianist or whatever. Um, and actually, my parents actually did that to me. I had piano lessons, <laughs> um, so I so I know I know a little bit about that. Um, but also, like I, I think that's probably the most common example here is uh, career, right, or studies. Like your parents will have expectations about what kind of career or or studies you have. So I think that's probably something everyone can relate to. Uh, so parents probably, you know, they always have the, these ideas. Is that over, is that, is that another situation where there's, you know, these unhealthy personal boundaries and, and is exactly, is that exactly the same as 
you know, the things we've been talking in the dating and relationships world. So, for instance, if you have this problem with your parents where, you know, they expected you to do X career or do this in your studies, do well, and you're not, and maybe you're going a completely different direction, maybe you just, you know, just want to write or you want to become a, a rock star or whatever it is, um, is, is, that, is that an indication that you probably have the same things going on in your dating life? Yeah, it, it's... Um... I mean, it, it's really indirect and kind of unseen, but it, one thing I, I call in my book, you know, my book's called Attract Women Through Honesty, and I have a whole section in my book called Honest Living, and my argument is basically that um, if you are not living based on your own values mm. and your own desires, then you are effectively being dishonest to yourself. Uh, and when you're dishonest to yourself, you know, the whole argument of the book is that honesty in general um, builds these builds self-esteem boundaries and, and a perception of high status within yourself and allows yeah. you to have a successful dating life and a, an abundant dating life. And so uh, I actually refer to it as honest living, as living based on your values and your desires and your goals. Um, and if you're not doing that, then... Um, it's effectively dishonest to yourself and you're going to be less motivated. You're going to be less proud of yourself. You're going to have less self-esteem and you're, it's basically sets a precedent for every other area in your life that, uh, you're willing to negotiate your boundaries. It's like, well, I hate my job, but it makes good money. And I negotiated that value. So right. when I'm on a, on a date with a hot girl who's annoying me, I'll negotiate this value too. And, um, these things are all linked up together and, and it really struck me getting kind of back to the parent thing when it, when this, that idea really hit me was uh, back when I used to do a lot of pickup coaching um, a few years ago. And um, I had tons of clients who were, I mean, uh, they were otherwise cool guys. They were smart, funny, interesting. Um, but they kept like all these guys kept showing up who lived with their parents or were like still somehow financially dependent on their parents even like up into their like late twenties, early thirties. Mm -hmm. And all of these men had this kind of this history of like, no matter what they did, no matter what sort of like self improvement goal they had, they never got anywhere with it. Right. And, you know, I, I initially I found, I, I just kind of started telling them like, look, move out. Because what I started noticing is these guys, as soon as they moved out and became financially independent and in the, like, responsible for their own subsistence, um, all these other areas of their lives finally started to improve. And so I started giving the advice, just move out. Move out as soon as possible. Like, don't worry about approaching. Don't worry about, you know, dates or online game or whatever. Move out, get independent, get yourself in order. Like, start building a little bit of confidence and self-esteem. And I think you hit on the point uh, that describes it is that, if you're a grown man and you're still and mom and dad are still taking care of you, I mean that is a um, that is that is basically that that is a boundary that is just being overstepped every day of your life, and you can only feel so good about yourself, and all, you can only feel so independent and only so confident um, if that's happening. And if you're not feeling independent or confident or high self-esteem, like you're never going to present yourself that way to women, no matter what you do. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's, it's a huge thing and, and it, it really ties into 
I guess like, our our overall like self perception and, and everything. Right. And I it, now that I'm thinking about it, I think you know all of us have our family. Have, I think boundaries tend to be more intense in in families, right, and more difficult to navigate. I think you said that somewhere too. Um, so it might be an easier way to start thinking about this stuff if you if you look at the, you know the family conflicts and and where you're trying to establish your independence and and having difficulty it might you know it, it might be a good way to start learning about this stuff um and also how to kind of practice setting boundaries you know maybe you should yeah. start at home with your family and uh you know, tell them you're going to pursue the career that you want or whatever it is and, you know, kind of tackle that problem first before you try to do the details in the rest of your life, like dating. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and I think the dating stuff, the dating stuff, it, I mean, the boundaries, it, it really starts becoming a side effect of dealing with this, this deeper internal, like, identity and self-esteem issue. Mm. All right, so, you know, on, on the theme of life, um, there was something I saw that you wrote that I, I kind of liked, and it was about how it relates to parts of your life. Uh, you said, this is paraphrasing, uh, you should own that part of your identity, you should make it something that you are, and not just something that you do, right? And in, in the example you were talking about, judo. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of this uh, quote that I think, I can't remember who it was, um, but I've remembered this for a long time. It's, I think it was from Jerry Seinfeld about, you know, when he was first starting out. And I'm paraphrasing here again, but, um, he said something like, I was working towards becoming a comedian. And this is when he wasn't doing so well, right? Um, but he says, but I was scared to hell of actually taking the decision to become a comedian. All right. So it's kind of two things. So, um, right. Is it, is this, like, is this an easy way to look at establishing personal boundaries in your life? So, you know, if, if we're thinking about, like, you know, really doing this in our life, um, is a good way to think of it owning it? And is there, is there some way of describing how we own something in our life? I, I think, um, I think it's, it really, in terms of our values, and what we believe in and how we see ourselves, these things are really not worth anything in, unless we own them and identify ourselves by them. Um, and a really good example of this is actually kind of uh, one way that, that a lot of men approach dating advice and pickup. So I actually, I wrote one of the first posts I ever wrote on my site years and years ago. It was a post called Performance Versus Character. And I talked about how there, what I noticed when I was involved in, in the pickup community was there are two types of men. And there were, there were basically the men who read and digested everything, but they perceived everything to be a behavior or a tactic, uh, or like a surface level, um, thing to adopt and like try on like a new mask or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there were the men who read and digested everything, but they saw it in terms of, actually altering their character and their identity. So, and I get this all the time. Like one of my big, um, one of my big concepts that I teach in my book is vulnerability. And it's this idea of being willing to, uh, being willing to expose 
yourself and your ideas freely uh, and, and without worrying about the reception you're going to get back to, from mm-hmm. it. And um, it's a very, it's a core, it's really a core identity. It's like, it's the way you adopt vulnerability is that you live it, is that you decide, like, I decide that I am not ashamed of mm-hmm. myself. And uh, that is a decision you have to make and, a, and, a, and something you have to integrate into your identity. Well, I get emails all the time from guys who say, that I get, they say stuff that are like, hey, Mark, uh, the vulnerability thing is very interesting, but it doesn't work. Um, see, I went on this date and I told this girl that about my dog dying and how I hate my mom and she didn't have sex with me. So it doesn't work. And like, I just, I see those emails and I'm like, you don't get it. Like you, you're seeing it as another tool, as another technique, um, as another thing to try on. And that's actually the complete opposite of what vulnerability actually is. Vulnerability is the decision to not try things on and to not put masks on and to not try to portray yourself differently than as you are. And, um, it's ultimately, I, I think, I think the men who, uh, see these things as simply be performances um, or performance behaviors to practice and master um, without ever integrating it into who they are or, or, or their identity or, or how they perceive themselves. Um, they, they never get past a very limited amount of success. And that goes for dating and just other areas in general. I mean, you know, if you are trying to become, um, you know, a professional day trader and you, you, perceive everything simply as, um, you know, different behaviors and patterns to mimic, um, you're never going to get past a very limited amount of success until you adopt that identity and and digest everything as like, this is who I am. And this is how, like looking for the principles behind the patterns and the behaviors, looking at the intentions and the motivations of why did this guy trade this way? What is the pattern he looks for here? Why does this work? Um, until you get to that second level, um, you're, you're really limited in anything that you do. Right, right. So I'm, I'm thinking of like potentially tips to, you know, start out towards owning something in your life, right? Whether it be, uh, you know, I'm not doing so well with the ladies. I'd like to, I'd like to be better. So, uh, in, that's a, that's a goal, right? Um, so yeah. in a sense, we could be talking about owning that goal. Right. And owning this yeah. new part of your life that you, you want to create. So um, it's going to become part of your identity. Uh, what, stu- what steps would you advise someone to take in order to own it? And so other specific actions that he could take to basically kind of ensure the outcome ensure the outcome or support it. So it's more likely to happen. Are there any specific things you'd advise someone to do? I think um, sharing it as if it's a part of yourself um, because that, that generates accountability. Um, so if you just make the decision like I struggle with my dating life and I'm going to try to make it better and you want to adopt that as part of your identity, finding somebody to talk to about that and telling them that saying I'm struggling with my dating life and I am committed to improving it mm-hmm. um, because that kind of cements it. Not It's not no longer simply – 
it's no longer just you trying on your perception of yourself. You're actually generating that perception in other people who are going to keep you accountable for it. Um, you'd have to be careful who you asked, you know, who you were doing this to, I guess, because they'd have to, you have to be someone who you could trust to take it seriously, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, I would say the closer the person is to you and the more you trust them, the more uh, powerful it is. Because, you know, obviously, if you, if you tell some random guy at work or something who doesn't know you well, you don't really care what he thinks. But if you yeah. tell your brother or you tell your best friend, um, it, it has a lot more weight behind it. Um, I think writing about it, I think one of the, I think one of the things that the pickup community does very well is that it encourages, uh, men to crystallize their, their progress and their commitments through writing, mm -hmm. um, you know, with all the, all the forms and the field reports and all that stuff. Journaling. Um, yeah, I, I think th that kind of stuff is extremely important whenever you're, you have like a really major, uh, long-term self-improvement goal. I, I think journaling, chronicling it, uh, ex you know, writing it for other people to see, mm. um, these are, these are all very strong, um, ways to reinforce that identity, um, and then and then I, choosing specific behaviors to pursue that reflect it. You know, it's you know I, as you know and I both know, like there for every guy who reads and studies this stuff and actually goes out and tries to apply it, there's ten guys who just read it and read it and read it and never do anything. And um, you know, at some point if you're actually going to adopt this identity and it's going to stick, you actually, your behavior has to start reflecting it. Um, so making that first leap and saying, all right, I'm going out, like I'm going out and I'm going to try this one thing I read. Um, and as soon as you start doing that, you know, now it's, now it's like, you know, once you do that, you, you can't get away from it. It's like it's proven now you actually, you know, you've done it. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, totally. So, I think, I think, Seeing is believing and, you know, doing it once you've got, I used to call them reference experiences, right? Yeah. I yeah. kind of used to had like to think I have to go and try and get a new reference experience because once I got that, it'll be easy afterwards. Uh, I only have to, yep. do, yeah, have to go and get that experience once and then, and you know, I think for everything in life, it, it's a true, you know, you're outside of your comfort zone. You just, you kind of have to make that first jump, leap, leap of faith. And, and then once you've seen what it's like up there, um, it all gets easier. Yeah. So, well, I'm thinking of kind of like troubleshooting this, uh, the more difficult um, areas of uh, personal boundaries. Uh, more, more likely, like, you know, in situations where you might have to enforce your personal boundaries. So you gave us a, a couple examples, but uh, I'd like a few more of them. Um, when, when do you think, you know, especially in the kind of dating or, you know, out in bars, meeting girls uh, or relationships, what do you think are typical situations where you have to enforce your own personal boundaries when it, when it kind of comes up? I think, I mean, the, the big, so when the, the whole, what enforcing personal boundaries is basically, is basically standing up for yourself and your values mm -hmm. and also not taking on the responsibility of somebody else's values mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. self. Um, so where that comes up mostly, you know, if you're a guy going out at night, um, talking to random girls and hitting on them, 
where that's going to come up most is when uh, women behave in ways that you find to be like rude or unenjoyable. Mm. Um, because most men are so fixated on like, I have to get a phone number. I have to try to have sex with her. They, they really just overlook everything a, a girl might do. That's, that's kind of pissing them off. Um, and as we talked about earlier, the irony in that is that it makes him less attractive because he's like letting all that go. Mm. Um, that's a common way. Uh, flaking, like phone number flaking is a huge way that guys n- do not assert their boundaries. Um, you know, my whole approach to flaking, I, I, I think flakes are ridiculous. I, I think nobody should ever get them. Here's, here's um, the, uh, my, my, my theory on the flaking thing is that, you know, when that genuinely happens, when, I don't know, when it wasn't a weird situation or, or, or anything that you weird you did, if, you, if everything was kind of normal and you, you did it straightforward, I think the flaking tends to be very low self-esteem girls, right? Who don't really kind of know what to do. Uh, and I, cause their whole world tends to be, uh, like shaken up on a, on a minute by minute basis where, you know, so, someone calls them and, you know, their mind changes about something. Um, so, you know, I think, I think you can kind of tell when, when you meet someone that, you know, that's going to be a more flaky type of girl. And right. like, you know, coming back to what you were saying earlier, that's probably someone that you would like screen and you would move on and, and go and talk to someone else. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's just another benefit of asserting these boundaries early on, because if you stand up for these boundaries early on, then you screen out all the women except for the high self-esteem, emotionally mature women who actually like you. And high self-esteem, emotionally mature women who actually like you are never going to flake on you, ever. And right. uh, it's and if they do, they're going to have a legitimate reason, and they're going to call you back and say, "I'm so sorry, let's go out Wednesday instead." And um, so I, you know, I used to get criticized a lot because you know after I wrote, I, I said in models, I said I don't, I never get flaked on, and you shouldn't either. Um, and I got criticized a lot for that, but it's it's really as simple as screening out the wrong women ahead of time and screening in the right women. And then also when it comes to to asking for a phone number, um, I get a commitment right then and there because it's it's you know the only reason you're getting a girl's phone number is so you can see her again. So like you know a lot of guys do this whole like well maybe we'll hang out sometime and keep in touch and you know blah blah blah. It's like very soft and weak and it's just kind of um, it's very non-committal and so. If I'm getting a girl's phone number, I'm getting it because I want to see her again. And if I want to see her again, I'm going to tell her and figure it out right then and there. So when I ask for a number, I say, what are you doing this week? You know, she'll say, I'm busy Tuesday, but I'm free Wednesday. I say, awesome. Wednesday night, we're going to go to, you know, this wine tasting or this dance class or whatever. And uh, and get her to agree to it right then and there. And then, and then trade the phone numbers. And then say, awesome. Cool. Done. Um, you know, that, that way you don't have to, I, cause I think I came across this, this stuff, this strategy just because I hate phones. Like I really, like even with my friends and my family, like I hate texting, I hate calling. Um, but it's just, there's no reason to sit there and go back and forth on text for five days straight and like sit there and, you know, be like, well, she wants, she said she wanted to hang out, but she's busy and then maybe Friday, but 
she ha- might have a thing Friday, and like you know, you're just left in no man's land for weeks at a time, and it's just a lot of wasted time and effort. Okay, good. Give me one second here. Okay, I got 15 minutes. Okay, all right, let me... I'll choose two questions. All right, well... I, th- I think an area where people get confused about this also is in different types of relationships. Because I've seen over the years many different styles of handling situations and setting uh, boundaries. And this, this can uh, depend on your philosophy. So this is like, this is also probably something a bit more for advanced guys, uh, right now who've, you know, got a bit more experience with women and got more complicated lives. But, you know, for instance, in the area where um, you have uh, looser, more open relationships, maybe you're seeing multiple girls, and, you know, s- something uh, doesn't go as you want it, then you have uh, many different situ- uh, ways to react to that. So I'll give you an example. Um, so, uh, so if you're out with a party with one of the girls that you see loosely, you know, she knows you see other girls, and, and she, she's supposed to be allowed to do the same thing. Um, and, you know, she takes a liking to a guy at the party and she starts flirting with him and maybe even goes as far as her, you know, kind of disappearing with him at, at some time. What do you do about that? You know, what is your standard uh, in terms of, you know, where is that, is that a boundary she's crossed or not? So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a pretty complex situation. And... I want to kind of add the dimension to here. It is that many people are in, you know, many different types of relationships. When it, especially when it comes to this openness in, in relationships versus, you know, the typical exclusive kind. You know, for example, I have uh, one of the guys I know in Bangkok. Uh, his, his 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 girlfriend is actually a hooker, right? Um, yeah. So she's working and sleeping with guys, uh, obviously. You know, many many nights of the week, and he's got to that stage. Uh, where he's okay with that, he's completely fine with that, right? Um, yeah. So he is a very, very different standard, obviously, than um, someone who's in an exclusive relationship. So it, like, setting a standard and having a balance in it, in a way, is a little bit of a can be a bit of a, you know a complex issue, and it can depend where you and the girl are at and what you've set as as your expectations. So, you know, could could you talk a little bit about that? Is that is that something you have ideas on? Yeah, I I think when you get into non-monogamous relationships or multiple non-monogamous relationships, uh, it, it's almost like 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 all this boundary stuff that we're talking about, all this honest communication, being willing to open up, stand up for your values, not taking responsibility for the other person's problems, all, all this stuff that we've been talking about the last hour and a half. Um, Obviously, that helps monogamous relationships a lot. Like it can make 
it can make your monogamous relationships very, very successful. I would say for non-monogamous relationships, it's it's beyond that. It's a prerequisite. Like you can't even, if you don't have this stuff put together, you're not even going to maintain non-monogamous relationships because you have to be able to talk about this stuff. Like you have to be able to negotiate, okay, when is it okay for me to Mm. uh, go out with another woman? You know, when is non, you know, when is sex with other people okay? When is it not? Um, and, and in terms of, and, and I differentiate this between that kind of, cause there's kind of that gray area where you're dating a number of girls and you've been dating them for, you know, say a couple months mm. and they know that they all know that you're not exclusive, but they all, none of them know like how many girls you're dating and, and how many, uh, you know, who you're having sex with and all that. Um, you know, I, I see that as just part of the dating process. And when I'm in that phase, I, you know, I let them know. I'm like, look, I, I'm not, uh, I like you a lot, but and I want to keep seeing you, but I'm not committed at the moment or I'm not monogamous at the moment. You know, it's okay. You know, it's just when you're with them, you're with them. And when you're not with them, you know, when you're with another girl, you're only with that girl. Um, but when you get into these kind of polyamorous situations, uh, where you have an agreement, you're like, we are going to be a couple, but we're also allowed to date other people. Um, you have to be able to talk this stuff out. So the example you gave where you're at a party with a girl and she ends up talking to another guy and kind of disappearing with them. If that bothers you, like if you have an expectation set with her that that's not okay. Um, you know, for instance, like if you two are all are, are both at a social function, you two are there as a couple um, if that is the expectation, then yes, that is a boundary that you need to assert. Like you need to go and talk to her and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and, and renegotiate or, or figure out where that discrepancy is. Um, if the expectation is, Hey, you're just friends and you have sex sometimes and you can do whatever you want. Um, and she goes off with that guy and you find yourself getting a little bit jealous um, then that is something that you need to figure out within yourself. Say, why am I jealous? Do I like her more than I thought? Am I not up for this arrangement that we have? Maybe I should talk to her and tell her that I feel a little bit more for her. Um, so yeah, I mean, self-awareness, uh, strong boundaries, willingness to communicate. These things are all prerequisites or else it's going to get messy really fast. Right. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like good advice to me. It's, it's not like some, some other, I'll give you some, like some other advice that, I, that I've seen before is like, for instance, in a typical situation is, you know, basically kind of to ignore it. So to take it completely, I guess this would come more from, it's not so much the pickup artist uh, who was saying this, but um, basically to ignore it and, you know, just get on with life and, you know, have fun at the party and whatever and, you know, and, you know, when she comes back, you know, it kind of act as it's, you know, never happened and, uh, you know, just, you know, just have fun, don't cause any, any drama over it. Now, I think what you're saying is, like, don't cause any drama about it, right? This whole, this whole approach shouldn't be about uh, setting boundaries in a, in, a, in a way that causes drama or negativity, but it's just... Basically, in a in a cool manner, establishing hey, hey like for instance, uh, hey, I, I didn't think this was what something we were doing, right, at the party, for instance, 
So in your right. case, what you say is like walk over to her, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, hey, I, I thought you know we weren't kind of doing this stuff in front of each other or whatever, you know, kind of uh, rule in, in a calm kind of conversation manner. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if it doesn't bother you, if you honestly don't care, then then don't do anything about it. Um, but if it does bother you, you know, if it does or it confuses you, or, or then yeah, you, you need you need to a figure out what what about it is it that bothers you? Is it that you're jealous, or is it that uh, you thought the expectations were different? Um, and then and then you know you need to talk to her about that and say. You know, look, I thought the expectations were different. You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. I just wasn't aware. Or like, I just want to know that, that right. that's going to be okay between us. Right. Right. Um, so, so I, yeah. you know, uh, some, some good points for me there is basically each, each of, when you get into polyamory and, and multiple relationships, uh, multiple, uh, dating multiple women, it's more complex, right? So there's no, there's no rules about or standards, typical standards, how you should deal with anything. You really kind of have to just work it out based on how you feel about something. So if it's okay with you or not, and with with a degree of self awareness, of course, you know, um, you're not gonna yeah. start trying to enforce standards upon her and and and, and not you know, abide by them yourself, which is you know kind of what some people do. Uh, so yeah, I, I just we'll put that down to complexity and and um, there's there's no specific rules there. You just have to kind of take it based on how you're feeling, and it, it probably. You know, in those situations, you may have to take a bit of time to kind of figure out where you are at if it's your first time in that kind of situation. Yeah. And, under, you know, think, you know, maybe take a bit of time out and, you know, even take a day or two to think about how you feel about the situation and how you want to approach it going forward. Um, yeah. Like that. That, that, that's, that's a really good point for, uh, I guess just things that trigger you emotionally in general. Right. Um, predict, you know, jealousy, boundaries, expectations, you know, it's, uh, giving it like sleeping on it, giving it 24 hours and then thinking about it yeah. often gives you a lot more perspective and um, makes it much easier to to go about it. Great, awesome. Okay, so uh, this is this is a question I fire everyone, and uh, okay. it's your turn. What would you tell a complete newbie to dating, self improvement, the whole thing? to focus on to improve his dating lifestyle and life as fast as possible. Give me your top three recommendations. Um, I would tell him to get as much social, not just sexual, but as much social and sexual experience as possible uh, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Just to, to broaden his horizons, meet new types of people, go to new events, try out new hobbies, uh, take new classes, talk to people that he would never talk to, and, and start exploring as much as possible, as soon as possible. I would tell him to do, the second thing I would say is that to drop the need, like drop the need to prove anything to anybody, including mm-hmm. himself. Um, a lot of men get into this kind of fixated on like I have to you know I'm I'm 20 years old and I've never had a girlfriend or I'm 25 years old and I've never had a girlfriend I'm a loser I have to prove to people I'm a loser hmm. um Either. you know or, or guys yeah it's and it's just it's yeah it's basically ego stuff and and that usually leads I mean that if that's your motivation 
it leads to a lot of like kind of a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, like overcompensation, a lot of performance. Um, and it can work in the short term, but it usually just it self-sabotages down the road. And you're just much better off like saying, you know what, like this is a part, area of my life that I'm not experienced in. And so I'm just going to explore it as much as possible and push things as much as possible for my sake, not not to impress my friends, not to prove my parents that I'm not gay, you know, whatever, um, to just push it. For, for my own experience and my own enjoyment. Uh, and then the third thing I would say, hmm, for newbie. Um, I would say err on the side of aggression. Um, if you're ever in a situation where you don't, where you're not sure, like, if she likes you or not, err on the side that she likes you. If you're in a situation where you don't know if you should kiss her or not, err on the side of kissing her. If you're in a situation where you don't know if she wants to have sex with you or not, err on the side of her having sex or wanting to have sex with you. Um, because most newbies, most men with who lack experience, um, they don't know how to accept positive signals from women, and so they, they just get kind of lost and confused. Um, and so it's very helpful for them starting out to just until there's like a clear no <laughs> assume it's on <laughs> until proven otherwise assume she likes you excellent so there you go thanks for those mark and that's that we'll be back next time thanks for being on the show mark yeah thanks for having me it's been fun Hey there, so I hope you got a load of takeaways from today's episode that you can go back home and start applying right now. To get the show notes, the transcript of the interview, to get any links to resources that are mentioned in the show, go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP37. There's a link to iTunes and the MP3 download and anything else you could want also. Have you got our Fast Track Dating Manual yet? This is a free download which teaches you how to learn effectively, effectively, simply, and make sure that you don't waste years getting good with women. And believe me, it's possible to waste years. I've seen many men do it, and some men actually never make it at all. But it's simply not necessary. And the reason that people don't learn this stuff quickly is really the way they go about learning. So what we have in the manual is a set of seven simple steps to make sure that you learn it effectively, quickly, and in the smart right way. You can go download it at www.datingskillsreview.com slash fast track. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Mark Manson in today's interview. Drop the need to prove anything to anybody, including yourself. Just push it for your own experience and your own enjoyment. You'll find this journey a lot easier if you take this kind of approach to it. If you don't, it creates more anxiety and it makes it harder on you. It tends to build a bigger fear of failure. And when we have a bigger fear of failure, we tend to explore less, we experiment less, and we learn less. But if you're doing this for fun, learning and experience, you just tend to do a lot better with it. And you go much faster, learn much faster. Drop the need to prove anything to anybody, including yourself. Just push it for your own experience and your own enjoyment. 
Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com, the number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting-edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle.